0: to welcome those who are watching this on Gate Outreach TV and listening to the audio messages uh, by podcasts. I want to believe God that you are
1: enjoying the
0: same grace that the Lord is releasing unto us in his presence today. And I pray that wherever you are, however you are, across the lands, across the oceans, and across the nations of the world, that the Lord will continue to perfect all that concerns you also in the mighty name of Jesus. We really want to thank God for today and um, we are continuing on our series of the Holy Spirit, my helper. The Holy Spirit, my helper. And what I want us to look at today is to look at the second of our series, which is the spirit of wisdom. Our banner there shows it, that it is the second aspect of the manifestation of the spirit, of the Holy Spirit. We said there are sevenfold of those manifestations. Last week, we started by looking at the first one, which is the Spirit of the Lord. That's the one we just simply called Lordship in the banner. The Spirit of the Lord, and uh, today we are looking at the Spirit of Wisdom. Before I go on, I'd like us to quickly read Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 to 2, which we'll be reading from throughout this series, because it talks about the seven manifestations of those spirits As the Lord has given us understanding. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. Let's read together. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. Let's read verse 2 loud and clear. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Number one. The spirit of wisdom. Number two. And understanding. Number three. The spirit of counsel. Number four. And might, number five. The spirit of knowledge, number six. And of the fear of the Lord, number seven. Hallelujah. So the Bible says the spirit, one of the things that will rest upon him is the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, talking about Jesus Christ, and also the spirit of wisdom. Last week we saw how the spirit of the Lord rested upon him. When he said in Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach. And we said the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of lordship is an enablement to perform the God-given tasks that he has assigned to every one of us. And so as it was in the life of Jesus, we said it is also same in our life. The spirit of wisdom is also an enabler. The Holy Spirit himself is our helper, remember? So it's just a diverse manifestation of the spirit of help in every one of our lives in the different ways. And so the, the, the word wisdom itself can be defined uh, just basically literally from the dictionary as the ability to discern or judge what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. This is just an English definition of the word wisdom. The ability to discern. I like that definition because it has the word discernment in it. Discernment is the ability to spiritually separate good from evil, right from wrong, and to spiritually separate the many things that are inherent in life to know what we ought to do and how we ought to go. I like one definition that Mike Murdoch gave to the word wisdom. He said, wisdom is the ability to recognize difference. Difference in environments, difference in people, difference in seasons, difference in everything, difference in occasions. And this is so important for us to understand. Every time we are in life and living through life, things change. There are differences every time. As we have come into this environment, we must understand that there is a difference in coming into a church worship environment. And it takes wisdom to recognize what we ought to do in that new environment in order to be able to make the most of that environment. If we come into this place with the same understanding of somebody who goes into any other building or any other meeting, we may lose out on the things that God wants us to have. And God God wants us to take delivery of. If we don't have the wisdom to recognize the difference in our children, the difference from child one to child two, and the difference in stages of the life of child one and the stages of the life of child two, we may find it difficult to parent effectively. If we don't recognize the difference between ourselves and our spouses, we may find it difficult to have wholesome marital relationships If we don't recognize the difference in our giftings and how we are important one to another, we may walk in foolishness in relating with one another effectively. So the ability to recognize difference is wisdom. The wisdom of God comes upon a person to understand the place of difference so that when we apply ourselves to the things of this life, we are able to, in the recognition of that difference, deal effectively with the things that God has demanded of us to handle. And so it is so important. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7. He said with all you're getting, get understanding. But wisdom is the principal thing. He says that true wisdom, Proverbs chapter 24 verse 3. He said "True wisdom a house is built. Through wisdom a house is built. Wisdom is so important that we cannot live life without wisdom. And so the Bible says The spirit of the Lord rests upon Jesus. The spirit of wisdom also. Let's look at the evidence of how the spirit of wisdom rested upon Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 6 from verse 2. The Bible says, and when, read it with me, it's on the screen. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying... Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? You see, they said all these things because of what we read in verse 3. They said, "How? where has he got this kind of wisdom from? Because they know him ordinarily. Look at what they said in verse 3 about him. They said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are, and are not his sisters here with us. So they were what? Offended at him. Praise the Lord. Now we need to understand this very clearly. They were looking at Jesus from the physical. But the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom was already upon him. And so his words were weighty. His words were different. His words were full of impact. And they knew that this cannot just be an ordinary uh, expression. There is a wisdom. They say, what wisdom is this? What wisdom is this? At a time in in, uh, Mark chapter 4, one of my favorite scriptures and stories that I virtually use every time is when he was in the boat with 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 the disciples. The Bible says, when he commanded the wind and he said, peace be still, the people said, what manner of man is this? that even the winds and the seas obey him. So there is a way the spirit of wisdom comes upon a man that turns him into another man in such a way that his wisdom and his disposition is evident. When the spirit of wisdom comes upon a man, it comes in such a way that people will know that there is something that is acting on that man that is beyond that man. They said, is this not the carpenter's son? They didn't know him to associate him with that kind of wisdom. They never imagined that somebody as unlearned as it were or as base as it were and as common as it were, like him, could have operated in such. But Jesus, the Son of Man, operated in the spirit of wisdom. And so this is why you and I must understand that as we seek the face of God for the Holy Spirit should help us, we must be a people who are also seeking that the spirit of wisdom will come upon us And it shall be so in Jesus' name. Moses was also a man of wisdom. We read about him as he died in Deuteronomy chapter 34. Moses led three million people out of Egypt. He ran a theocratic government. This is a government that was completely commanded by God. Moved only as God ordained. Did only what God said. And so it was a theocracy. It had nothing to do with him per se, but the wisdom of God was evident in him because instructions were given as to how things needed to be done, but it was through the wisdom of God that Moses was able to set up an effective system that allowed these people to be able to have distribution of food, to be able to have the distribution of meat that was supplied to them, the distribution of the water that was supplied to them, and the wisdom of God to know how to keep moving towards the promised land under the pillar of cloud by day and under the pillar of fire by night. It was the wisdom of God. Don't forget there were no satellite, satellite navigation systems. There were no computers. And to manage three million people with just one voice, with no megaphone, with no microphone, takes the wisdom of God to be able to communicate to all those people Some of these details, we miss them very easily. If you gather 100 people in a a room in our day and age, if you don't put a mic, you'll start hearing people shouting from the back. We can't hear you. We can't hear you. So how were 3 million people hearing one man at the same time? How were 3 million people able to be mobilized to have the distribution of resources that was coming to them from God? Take a time to ponder. The spirit of wisdom was upon him so mightily. And Moses operated by this spirit so much so that God knew that if that spirit was taken away after Moses died, there would be the potential that the children of God would not have reached the promised land also. And so he commanded Moses to lay hands On Joshua who was to take over from him. And that's why we read the whole of Deuteronomy chapter 34. For those of you listening by audio, read Deuteronomy 34 verse 1 to verse 12. And you get a picture of the very end of Moses and how he handed over to Joshua. But the Bible says that in verse 9 of Deuteronomy 34, as we read together, let's go. Now Joshua the son of Nun was what? Full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? For Moses had laid hands on him so the children of Israel heeded him as did and did as the Lord has commanded Moses. The commandment was upon Moses but the spirit had to be transferred to Joshua so that what had been commanded Moses to get to the promised land will be effected. Praise the Lord. So it is necessary for us to seek the spirit of wisdom. You see, foolishness is nothing other than a disregard for the spirit of wisdom. That is why the Bible says in Psalm 14, verse 1, let's read it. The fool has said in his heart, there is what? No God. That means the fool is the one who disregards God, disregards the wisdom of God. There are wisdoms, but there is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man and the wisdom of this world can deliver certain things, but only the wisdom of God can deliver the things of God. Only the wisdom of God can deliver the things that man cannot deliver. Only the wisdom of God can help you in certain areas that psychologists cannot. Only the wisdom of God can help you in certain ways that doctors cannot help you. Only the wisdom of God can help you in certain ways that financial experts cannot help you. Only the wisdom of God And so the Bible says, only a foolish man will say that there is no God. And when they say so, the Bible says, they are corrupt. They have done abominable works and there is none of such who does good. We shall not disregard the wisdom of God in the name of Jesus. Look at what the Bible says, verse 2. He said, the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand those who seek God. They have all what? Turn aside, they have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. As long as we disregard the wisdom of God, all that keeps emanating is foolishness. This is why the world today is watching the Western world gradually slipping into all kinds of foolishness because the wisdom of God is being disregarded. Every agenda that is being propelled and pushed today just to bring in things that are ungodly, things that are abominations unto the Lord, are because they are turning aside. We are turning aside from the wisdom of God and embracing foolishness. Every time a nation disregards God, they embrace foolishness. No matter how advanced they be, no matter how sophisticated their systems and their political systems have become, they become foolish in their dispositions and dispensations, and you see it right before our very eyes. This is why you find 19-year-olds going into schools to shoot children, innocent children, because nations are turning away from God. And the same boy is interviewed a few minutes later, and he said he's sorry. He doesn't know what came over him. And we say there's a simple rule. Keep out the guns. Simple. What is so complicated about that? Confiscate the guns. But the wisdom of man is so dark that it cannot see the simple reality in solving a simple problem. It takes the wisdom of God for us to understand that the devil is pushing his foolishness across boundaries, across uh, nations, and across systems in a ferocious manner, and if believers do not rise up to embrace the wisdom of God and use their own influence in their various sectors to let the wisdom of God continue to prevail, the world will lose her hope because we are the light of the world. We are the city set on a hill that cannot be hid. We must not bow down to the foolishness that is prevalent in the day and age that we live in. We must continue to press into the wisdom of God. You must on a daily basis ask God, Lord, what can I do to make an impact with the light that you have put in my life? It takes the wisdom of God. When Joshua got this wisdom, his life was very different. I challenge you and I encourage you to read Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 2, and Joshua chapter 3. Just to see the differences. In the life of this man after Deuteronomy 34, when we were told that the spirit of wisdom was upon him, that he was full of the spirit of wisdom. In Joshua chapter 1, God reassured him and told him that he should continue to meditate on the book of the law. Remember Joshua 1.8? He should continue to meditate on the book of the law. And he said he should be courageous. Don't depart from the book of the law. And Joshua embraced it wholeheartedly. In Joshua chapter 2 verse 1, I saw something I had never seen before. We're not going to read it today, but read it. The Bible says when he was about to go into Jericho, he sent out spies. He sent out spies to spy out the land, the spies that went to Rahab. How many were they? Two spies. Only two spies. Remember what Moses did in his time? Moses sent out how many? Twelve. And how many were really, really useful? The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God made him to see that it's not about the numbers. It's about the effectiveness of those that you are sending. And if you read the whole chapter, those two did the job very well. They got every information they needed. They got all the strategic information that they needed. And by Joshua chapter 3, they moved on to start the onslaught against Jericho. Please go and take time to read it. But I was stunned to see that Joshua did not repeat the seemingly politically correct thing to have 12 people gathered from every tribe. Joshua went for two, and those two, just like he and Caleb went in their time and came back with a result, those two also came back with a result. When you operate the spirit of wisdom, you leverage whatever has been the attainment of those that have gone ahead of you. When you come into a new position, you let the spirit of wisdom come upon you, you leverage the successes of the persons that were in that position before you, and then your results will be more outstanding. If you read up to Joshua chapter 3, when they went to Jordan, the way he strategically got Jordan to part was very different from how the Red Sea parted. Hallelujah. He assembled the priests and they stood and all they did. Joshua did not say one word. There was no complaint. There was no fear, unlike the time of Moses. But by the extended spirit of wisdom to continue the journey that God had started, the priests only put their foot once in the Jordan, And the Bible says the whole waters gathered as a heap, like a dam to one side, without any structure holding it up. Please take time to read these things, and then it will help you to understand why we should go for this spirit, why we should keep praying for the spirit of wisdom, why we should keep pressing into the manifestation of the spirit of wisdom. Friends, the godly traits are the things that evidence the spirit of wisdom. Somebody will say to me, Pastor David, how do I know that I'm operating the spirit of wisdom? Is it just by my being able to attain to many things? It has its own physical and spiritual characteristics. Let's look at what the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 13. James chapter 3, verse 13. Let's read that together. Who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in The meekness of what? Wisdom. Let him show that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Verse 14. Let's read verse 14 clearly, please. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. Verse 15. He said, this kind of wisdom does not descend from above, but it is what? Earthly, it is what? Sensual, it is what? Demonic. Verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Anytime you see strife, self-seeking, envies, these sorts of things have now left aside the wisdom of God. And this is why we must never ever allow strife in our relationships we must never ever allow strife in our church family. Mike Mudock also said strife is the evidence that no one someone no longer belongs. When the strife is persistent and is persistent and is persistent check it. Call the person and ask them, brother is everything okay? Sister is everything okay? Because there is a tendency that they no longer belong. And this is very important. So we must do everything to shun the wisdom of this world. The Bible says the wisdom of this world are three kinds. They are earthly, they are sensual, and they are demonic. Earthly wisdom is what we gain by going to school. Intellectual wisdom which we can learn, we go to learn from professors and theologians and people who teach. So we can learn things. We can learn about science. We can learn about the arts. We can learn history. Now as good as those things are, They are still base. They are still the wisdoms of this world. Sensual wisdom is the things that we know without being taught. We just know them naturally. Every child knows that food should go in the mouth. The moment a child is born, they open their mouth and that is all they're asking for. Food, food, food. And the first day you show them what to touch to get that food, every time their mouth is looking for that very thing to touch. Because it is just sensual. It is a wisdom that comes naturally is another word for it is natural wisdom. And there is a wisdom that comes from the demonic realm. That is what we are seeing in our politics today. That's what we are seeing in our socioeconomic systems across the world. Demons orchestrating themselves in parliaments. Trying to enact laws that are ungodly. Things that are completely abominable unto God. Things that should not be heard of. Things that the Bible says that God detests are being promulgated by the demonic forces of this world to use those to give people good arguments. When you listen to the parliamentarians who make those cases, you will almost be convinced that what they are saying makes sense. It's demonic wisdom. They will stand and say it's everybody's right to express themselves. Whether they want to be male or female, it does not matter. They will stand and say things like it is everybody's right to be able to live the way they like to live. They can carry a gun if they like or not. And so on and so forth. And they make the case sound like something that is wise. And if you are in the natural wisdom, you will say it is a positive argument. These are demonic wisdom that has come from nowhere but from the pit of hell. We must embrace, let's read verse 17. We must embrace the wisdom that is from above. The Bible says, let's read that together. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. It's without partiality and without hypocrisy. The wisdom is pure. The wisdom from above is pure, it is gentle, it is peaceable, it is always willing to yield, it is always looking for peace. It is never about rancor and tension. When that kind of thing is coming, something is wrong. Anytime somebody is trying to just create tension around you and create, you need to say, hey brother, let us engage the wisdom of God here. And you need to press into the wisdom of God because the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then it's peaceable and it's gentle. It is unruffled. It is always willing to yield. It's always willing to say, I'm sorry. It's always willing to make peace. It's always willing to be full of mercy. It's always willing to forgive. It's always willing to show the good fruit. That is the spiritual fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, long-suffering self-control, is always willing to do those things. It is the wisdom of this world that is always seeking to have its way, always seeking to dominate, always seeking to control and manipulate. It's always seeking to scatter the brethren. It's always seeking to scatter marriages. It's always seeking to do things that, that bring dissension among brothers. That is the wisdom of this world, which we must deny. It is the demonic wisdom, but the wisdom of God is what we are asking From him who is the spirit of wisdom to baptize us continually, to give to us, to enable us. When that wisdom is at work in your life, your life takes a new turn. Your life is different. Your dealing with your spouse is different. Your dealing with your children is different. Your dealing with your bosses are different. Your dealing with your colleagues are different. You will handle difficult colleagues with such ease and such power at the same time. Because you are operating the wisdom that is from above, that is above all. They can engage their demonic wisdom, their sensual wisdom, all their natural wisdom and earthly wisdom. They can deploy their earthly wisdom that they have learned from from the profession and the things that you do together. But when you engage the wisdom from above, that is above all, you always conquer. I say you will always conquer in the name of Jesus. It is a personal responsibility. As I conclude this today, I want to read again from James chapter 1, just to remind us that this is a wisdom that we must all continue to press into. And the Bible says in verse 5, let's read together, you know it very well, but let's read it. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Say your neighbor for me, ask for wisdom, and it will be given to you. Ask God for wisdom. And he will give it to you. But look at verse 6. This is the condition to which we must ask. Say, but let him ask what? In faith. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. For let not that man suppose... That he will receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8. He is a double minded man. Unstable in all his ways. You will be stable in all your ways. You will not be double minded. I have never met a believer who says to me. Brother Dave I am double minded. I have never met one. But there are many double minded believers. The Bible says by their fruits You shall know them. When you see somebody ask God. For something now, and then the next statement that comes out of their mouth shows that they don't believe even in what they have asked. You know that they are double-minded. Many years ago, we went to pray for somebody. Many years ago, almost 30 years ago now, we were very young Christians, and uh, we went to pray for somebody. And we prayed. We prayed. We just got filled with the Holy Ghost that time, and you know, we were just we got in there, we laid hands, innocent faith, just raw faith, prayed, and we we came out of the room. And as soon as we got out, one of us said, the, the only thing is that this man has no hope. I said, keep quiet. What were we doing there for more than 20 minutes? He said, the only sad thing here is that this man has no hope. That is a man that is double-minded. So all the time he was praying there, he didn't believe what he was praying. So when you ask God for wisdom, be like Solomon, and say, Lord, the only thing I'm asking is the wisdom to rule this, your people. The wisdom to understand difference. My father was a good king. He was a conquering king. He was a respected king. But if I don't have that wisdom, I cannot rule these your people. And God said, you have asked for the most important thing. Every day, wake up, ask God for wisdom. Lord, how do I deal with my spouse? How do I deal with my children? How do I go to work today? He said, go to verse 5 again, please, verse 5. He said, if any man lacks wisdom, that is just being polite to you. That is being polite to you and I by saying, if any man, you and I lack it. If we have it more than this, we will be more than this. So, it, by saying if any man lacks, don't say, "Oh, I'm not the man that, that lacks." No, he's talking to you. He's just, he just trying to be polite to you. <laughs> Let's rise to our feet and just trust God for great grace today.